Was it something? Uh, tonight I want to answer a third question, and that third question is, who am I? What, who, who am I created to be, right? So I think this is a much more personal question, maybe than, um, you know, why am I here on this earth, right? That's very, like, general to all of us. We all have intrinsic value, right? We're, we're, we're more valuable than a dog down the road. Or why, what am I supposed to do? Okay, I know as a man, these are the things I'm trying to, to shape up to be. But me, John Christian, sitting here or standing here speaking to you, or anyone sitting here in, the, in, this, in this crowd right now, who are you? Who am I? And that's the question I want to talk about tonight, is the question of identity. And I think that's a very personal question, right? It's one that sometimes we try and avoid because we just don't really know who we are, right? Like, why am I the way that I am? Why do I talk the way that I talk? Why do I act the way that I act? Why am I thinking the different ways that I'm thinking? And so I, I, I think part of the reason why this is where the Lord has been speaking to me, I see in our generation, and my Keisha was just talking about this a little bit, right? Like we're a social media saturated generation. And one of the biggest problems I've seen and heard from kids our age is that uh, what is my identity? What am I supposed to be doing? You know, who, who am I? And identity is at the core of every question and is at the core of our being. And we need to understand who we are in order to, to move forward um, with Christ. So this, this world that's around us, this social media world that is saturating us, this society that's around us, is constantly trying to define for us who we are. They're constantly trying to tell us who we are and who we're supposed to be. But, but God, right, in his word, we've been looking through it. God in his word already defines that for us. The identity that, that society gives out is one that's constantly changing. It's constantly, what, what are you wearing today and then what are you going to be wearing tomorrow? What are you doing today and what are you going to be doing tomorrow? How are you, what are you tolerating now that's going to change by tomorrow? And it's a constant wave of back and forth and you can't keep up with it. But the, the identity that God gives you is one that is fast and, and it holds strong, is a firm foundation and it doesn't change day to day. It's an identity that you can hold on to and trust that who he says I am is who I truly am. Any of you guys really like like mirrors? Raise your hand. We've got a couple people that really like mirrors. Either you just weren't listening to me because that's a ridiculous question or you're like, uh, we'll talk later. But um, and this is just a side point. Uh, my Keisha also talked about this. Man, you made some good points, Keisha. Um, have good friends, right? Have people around you that can speak life into you. I, I surround myself with the people I think that are best to speak into my life. Um, not always things that I want to hear, that I need to hear. Have those people in your life, right? That can that can speak into your life. Uh, good friends. But having good friends doesn't always mean you're not going to get into weird situations. Um, me and my friends are very prone to getting into weird situations. <laughs> One uh, few months ago, we were out and we were just kind of perusing around the city. And um, we were getting rained on. And so it was like, we were on vacation, so we were like, you could probably narrow it down to the people that were on the trip now. Uh, we're on vacation, right? And we are getting rained on. And we're trying to figure out what to do, but you know, we're away, so we're not gonna just like go back and do nothing. And so we're, we're walking around this city, trying to figure out what do we do next? And we're kind of going through all the shops and doing the whole thing, so we're not getting soaked the whole time. And before long, we get to this uh, 
mirror maze. Have any of you ever done a mirror maze? Don't do it. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it's, it's the weirdest form of entertainment. But some people really enjoy that kind of stuff. And so we see this mirror maze, and one of my friends is super excited to, to start uh, this mirror maze. And I'm just begging. I'm thinking, please, that's the last thing I want to do, right? Like, first, I struggle with migraines. Some of you may know that. Um, so that's, it's just like not a great place, easily triggered in places like that. Lots of lights and smoke and all that weird stuff. Um, but also I just wanted to save the five bucks because it just wasn't something I was trying to do. And so we get to this place and we go into the mirror maze and we're like, okay, we're gonna pay the money and we're gonna go do this to keep our friend happy and just keep the trip going, we'll stay dry. And so we go in and it's just tons of mirrors, lots of mirrors. And there's lights, like different colored lights, all over the place. And I don't know if there was smoke or not, but we'll just say there was to make it more dramatic. <laughs> and so we're, we're walking through this mirror maze trying to figure out how to get to the end of the tunnel, per se, right? And, you know, you're going through the whole thing, and you're having fun. Not really, like you're trying not to get sick. And you're just going through the whole thing. At one point, me and one of my friends, we made it to the end. And then we were like, we, we got out too easy. We're trying to get our five bucks worth. So we went back in, ended up getting lost for a while longer. It was just a ridiculous experience. Um, but the, the point I'm trying to make in the end, our identity is not supposed to be a thing that is confusing to us. Our identity is not something that Jesus tries to like make four different paths for so that you can't figure it out. That, that's the way the world is. It's constantly changing. There's a hundred different paths. It's confusing. It's messed up. It's going to make your head hurt real bad, right? But the identity that God speaks into our lives is not one that's confusing. It's one that is straightforward. It's one that's very practical for us to be able to see and, and follow. And I'm not saying that it's not, it's not difficult to sometimes accept that identity. Sometimes it's, it's hard for us to see ourselves as worthy. It's hard for us to be able to see ourselves as children of God if, if we've just, you know, been battling sin for a long time. And there's that specific thing, and I just don't think I'm worthy of being called a child. It's hard for us to, to see ourselves as worthy if, you know, we're constantly condemning ourselves for something that we've been going through. And instead of turning then to the grace of God and back to, okay, you know, I, I, I know that I am, I am called of God. I know that I am not supposed to be living with sin. I know that is not the identity he's given me. Instead of going back to that, we begin reverting to these sins and we begin accepting those things. And we begin seeking validation from these places and these people and messages around us that were never intended by God to be validating us. So tonight I want to look quickly Acts chapter 9, if you'd open up your Bibles or phones or whatever. can't really see, so we're going to have to go through this quick. Acts chapter 9, uh, this is a story that you've probably all heard before. I'm sure you've at least heard it. This is the story of um, Saul, right? This is the story of the man Saul, who we know as Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament. And Saul was this man who... Had a rough back uh, backstory, right? He in Acts chapter seven, we see Stephen, who's the first martyr, right? And he's he's giving this amazing speech. He's giving this amazing uh, word that Jesus has given him to these Pharisees, but the Pharisees hate it. And so what they end up doing is stoning him and, and killing him. So he's known as the first martyr, right? Okay. 
Yeah. Um, and so Stephen, right, he's known as the first martyr. And we see Saul then first in, in chapter 8, right? We see Saul, and he is standing there, and he is accepting what's going on. He's not only accepting, he's condoning it. And he probably was taking place in everything that was going on uh, around this, this stoning of Stephen. And so now here in chapter 9, we read that Saul was on this same mission. Saul was on a mission to kill these Christians as much as he could. So if we start in verse 9, we try to read this. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest, asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Arise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were open, he saw nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. There we go. And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. So we see Paul, he's on his way to go kill some more Christians, right? He is this zealous man who is willing to go to any lengths to go and kill these people who are following Jesus. And then Jesus comes, this amazing vision, strikes him down, Saul's blind, okay? Then we move forward, Ananias, okay? I'm not going to read the whole thing. Ananias is a disciple of the Lord. Jesus speaks to him and says, you're going to go speak to Saul. And Ananias says, Saul's a crazy person. And Jesus says, but I have a message that you need to tell him. I have something that you need to go ahead and deliver over to Saul. And then you see Ananias goes to Saul delivers this message, baptizes Saul, the scales of Saul's blindness fall off, and then we see the story of Saul or Paul unfolding from there uh, through the rest of the New Testament. Have you ever had one of those moments where you thought, you know, this is a great idea, this is something really good for me to be doing, and then it, it just turns flat on its face, and it's just like, I, sh I probably shouldn't have been doing that. <laughs> Anyone ever have that? Yeah. Um, stay with me here. So... <laughs> I'm going to share a little personal story of when I was younger. Um, kind of embar really embarrassing, honestly. I hate talking about this. Sarah will probably can attest to this, but she doesn't have to share anything more than I share. Um, please don't, Sarah. When I was younger, like my middle school days, uh, I had a really bad temper. I was like, for some reason, uh, I just was always angry. But uh, I shouldn't say always angry. I was angry whenever I was like doing something competitive. So sports, uh, particularly, I would get really upset when things were not going my way. Uh, and so you know, now like I love to talk smack on the basketball court. I love to do all that kind of stuff. But then it was like a serious problem that I had no control over. So I, I, I called it, you know, a passionate pursuit of the game. Everyone else called it just an anger problem. Um, but, you know, I, I was playing basketball at a young age, uh, middle school days, and we were playing, this is just a specific story, an instance of what was happening. And we were playing a rival school, and we're going against the school, we know some of these kids, and so you know, everything's getting heated, everyone's talking. And I'm, I'm talking, I'm jawing the whole time, saying things I shouldn't be saying, doing things I shouldn't be doing. On a basketball court, like, what does that even mean? Um, and so, right, and, and so the game's getting heated, the game's going on, and I, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I'm helping my team right now, because at least, I mean, I may not be getting any, any buckets, but 
I'm John, so something good is happening. I'm being a, a team player. Everyone else was doing the same thing. Uh, something I didn't mention to you yet is that my father was my basketball coach. <laughs> Some of you know my father. Uh, he's a big German guy. Um, none of you know my father like I know my father. Because he speaks to me in ways that he wouldn't speak to you because I'm his son. And so uh, my father was the coach. And on, on multiple occasions, he would have to take me out of the game. He would have to bench me. Uh, he would say, you know, you're not going to play if you're going to keep acting like this. Anyways, the game's going on. The game's getting out of control. End of the game comes, and I, can, I just know what's coming for me, right? Like, he's going to do something. I'm going to be punished. Whatever it may be, it's not going to be pretty. And we get in the car um, on our way home, and I'm just kind of waiting for whatever he's got for me. Uh, and he started, he started speaking to me. And he spoke to me in this time like a man. I wasn't a man. <laughs> very far from the man, right? We talked about that yesterday, uh, selfish aggression. That's like everything that was coming out of me. And he spoke to me like a man, spoke very straightforward, gave it to me hard. Um, and as he was speaking, it was just breaking me down. And I noticed he wasn't doing this to, to just beat me over the head, like, look at everything you did wrong. Although, that, I mean, that was definitely part of it. But he was speaking these words to me to show that there was a disappointment there. There was something that, that had disappointed him in the action that I was taking. But even, even further than that, he was trying to speak to me that this is not who you were made to be. This is not the person you are. You, you're going out there and you're trying to be validated by the people you're around. You're trying to do things that you wouldn't normally do just because you're in this, this weird zone trying to find who you are. But this is not it. That this action, these actions, these words, these things that are coming out of your mouth... This is not who you are. And that, that's kind of what Jesus is saying to Paul here in Acts chapter 9. He, he's saying, Saul, you are persecuting me. You are hurting me. You are doing something to me that, that is not what you were created to do. You, you are going down a path that you should not be going down. And Paul, Saul, Paul, whatever, we'll call him Paul for the rest of the time. It'll just be easier for us to connect with. Paul is appalled. He's thinking, what are you talking about? Like, I, I thought this is what you wanted me to do. Who, who are you? Who is this talking to me? Because you're telling me something that I thought I was supposed to be doing. Something that I thought I, I was in the good with. And so Saul, later on, hears who Jesus truly wanted him to be when Ananias goes to see him. You don't have to turn there. I'm going to look at Galatians chapter 1 real quick. If you're taking notes, you can jot it down. Galatians 1, verse 13 to 14. I love when Paul writes the letters, right, uh, all these epistles. He, he's speaking uh, very, like, from, very directly from his heart to these people. He shares a lot of his testimony throughout his letters. And this is just another awesome part of his testimony. Um, oh, look, we have it right here. Okay, so Galatians 1, verse 13. For you have heard of my former life in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people. So extremely zealous was I for the traditions of my fathers. So Paul's in that same boat, right? He's going around, he's taking women, he's taking families and separating them because he's thinking that his zealousness, his, his pursuit of these people is actually pleasing God. He's thinking that by, by 
taking these people, throwing them into prison, and then voting to have them killed is actually something that is going to validate him as he moves forward. And, and so, so Paul, I, I keep mixing that up, Paul here, he is looking at this created thing. He's looking at the law. He's looking at the traditions of his fathers. This created thing, and he's completely missing the one who created it. He's completely missing God in this whole picture. And, and that's what's wrong with this picture. That, that's what's wrong with his identity here. He's sold out on these things that cannot validate him. We heard yesterday Sister Lisa Stubbs talked about shortly at Romans 125 how Paul writes, right? This is funny. You think he may be thinking back to his old days. Paul writes, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. I wonder how many of us here tonight do that same thing all the time. We see these created things, right? We see these people sitting next to us. We see the traditions of our fathers. We see... We see the, the friends that are speaking into us. We see the, the schools that are speaking into us, right? And these things that are created for his glory, we're trying to seek validation in that instead of the creator. And we need to be careful. And I'm not saying that those things are inherently bad. You should listen to your parents. I'm, I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. But sometimes, you know, your parents are going to speak things into you that hurt because they're human and they will fail you. Your friends will speak things into you that are going to hurt. First and foremost, we need to cling onto those things that Jesus speaks into us. We need to cling onto the identity that Jesus is giving to us. Paul, he thought he was on the right path. Paul thought, this is what I'm doing. These are, these are the things that my fathers taught me. These are the things that I've been taught by the greatest schools. I've advanced far greater than anyone else in my culture. And yet it was the very thing that was pulling him further and further away from Jesus. Now here's the beautiful thing. Jesus doesn't stop there. Right? Jesus doesn't stop for me and for you. Jesus doesn't stop at condemnation or retribution. He doesn't stop at rebuking us, right? He keeps going and then defines to us who we are. So Jesus is saying, Paul, you're hurting me. Paul, you're doing something right now that is not good. You are, you are hurting me in the way that you are acting because you are not acting as you were created to be. But here is who you were created to be. And then we see Ananias, who, who's given this message. You were created to be a messenger for me. You're going to go to the ends of the world, and you're going to spread my name and my glory. You are a chosen instrument. You are a chosen vessel. You are set apart, and you are anointed for something different. Jesus makes it very clear to Paul who he is supposed to be. He doesn't leave him in the dark saying, you really screwed this one up, Paul. You really messed this up. Go figure it out now. Go figure out how to crawl back to me and we'll see how that goes. You know, Jesus says, you messed up, yeah. You made a big mistake, yeah. You're actually hurting your father. But this is who you are meant to be. This is who you were made to be. And this is where we want to go back to. Uh, we're going to finish up in a minute. I just want to, I want to tell another story. Happened a few months ago. Uh, I was down at Liberty University, Christian University, um, and I was an RA for for two years down there. And so you kind of deal with people that are coming and going on the halls. And there were two guys that were on our halls, um, and they were both from the Teen Challenge program. I don't know. Any of you know the Teen Challenge program? We have a couple. 
Uh, so these two guys are from the Teen Challenge program. They're about my age. Basically, Teen Challenge is like a drug rehab, um, addiction abuse rehab center for anyone, for men. And so these two guys around my age were staying on my hall. And so I was like, okay, cool. You know, that's, that's nice. I get to know them a little bit. So the year went on, and uh, these two guys were on the hall. And some things came up. I won't go into too much detail, but one of the guys was getting back into some old habits, uh, and we were starting to have to deal with some preliminary stuff, meeting with these guys, and before long, this guy was back out on the streets uh, in the area of Virginia we were in, uh, and it was just his roommate who was left with us. And so there was about three weeks left in our semester, and it was just this roommate and he was going through a pretty difficult time trying to figure out, okay, what's going on in my life right now? Well, this guy that I was just walking through all of this with has now gone back to that lifestyle. And so I started meeting with him for the last couple of weeks just to kind of get to know him a little bit, give him a space to just kind of release uh, some of these thoughts and, and whatever he wanted to talk about. And as we were talking uh, one day over breakfast, he was just sharing some of his testimony, uh, how, how he had left his family and began to live on the streets and just different things about his drug addiction and abuse and people he was starting to live with and move in with that he shouldn't have been living <coughs> with. Uh, and just doing and living a dark, dark lifestyle. And he began to share his testimony of how God brought him out of that. You know, he did 18 months at Teen Challenge. Uh, and through all of this, as he went through his, uh, his testimony at Teen Challenge, he said he, he graduated with 16 people. He was one of 16 people that graduated Teen Challenge, 18 months. And he was the only one out of those 16 people who have not relapsed in that time, in that graduating class. So basically, he is the only one who is still not, uh, who is still sober, who is not back on the streets living a lifestyle of addiction and drug abuse and whatever else they were dealing with. One of 16. He's standing alone now. These were people that he had walked through each and every day. He lived with these people. He, he was studying the Word of God with these people. He was eating and dining with these people every hour of every day for 18 months. And each and every single one of them walked away, went back into that lifestyle. And so I, I was just amazed um, about that statistic because Teen Challenge is about a Christian organization, but... Obviously, that, that alone means nothing. Uh, and so I, it was just, wow, that, that's a crazy statistic. And so I asked him a question I probably shouldn't have asked him. I said, you know, do you ever feel a struggle or, or a temptation to go back into that lifestyle? Right? Like, it's a pretty stupid question. Um, and and I, I just, I needed to know, do you ever feel any, any desire to go back into a lifestyle because you were so you were so engrossed in it. Is that ever there? Is that ever in the back of your mind, just thinking what it would look like? And my friend, he sat there, and he he kind of just grinned and laughed for a second. He didn't really know what to say at first, uh, until he just said no. <laughs> and he looked at me and he said, he said, John, I, I don't really know how to explain this, but I, I cannot even connect with that person. I can no longer even, my brain is not wired in the same way anymore. That person who I once was, running on the streets, living with, with whoever, and doing whatever just to get my, my satisfaction for the moment, 
That identity, that, that moment, that fling is so far behind me because Christ has showed me who I am. Christ has revealed to me who I am and who I was made to be. And I, I just sat there for a minute just thinking, I don't, I don't know, that's amazing. Thank God. I've never seen someone so genuine about their passion and zeal about not turning away uh, or turning back to, to a lifestyle of sin. Jesus showed him who he was created to be. Jesus showed him who he truly was. He was living a lifestyle trying to be validated by things that were not able to validate him. Trying to be satisfied by things that would only satisfy for a moment before he would go back for more and more and more. And now he's looking at the, in the face of 15 other guys that he lived with for months, years. And he's thinking, I don't want any of that. I, I don't want to go back at all. That, that scares me to think that that could even be a possibility. Because Jesus showed him who he truly was. Jesus showed him what his true identity was, and he fixed him in that place. It was a secure place. It was a safe place for him to go to. And so tonight, I think that's what Jesus wants to do for us. Jesus wants to show us exactly who we are. He doesn't want to show you that, that you are your past. He doesn't want to show you that, that you were anything that you, you were back then. And he doesn't want to sit here and condemn you on that. Jesus wants to show us who he has created us to be. He wants to show you that you're, you're no longer defined by drunkenness. You're no longer defined by being tired. You're no longer defined by insecurities. You're no longer defined by your own impurities. You're no longer defined by these things that you have been struggling with. He wants to show you tonight that you are set apart. He wants to show you tonight that you are loved, that you are a son, that you are a daughter of the Most High God. That, that's what he has come to do. He's come to bring life and bring it to the fullest. And so tonight, we're going to just, in a minute, enter into some time of worship. Um, but I want us to be able to come and just allow the Lord to reveal it. That's not anything that I can speak to you. That's not anything. I mean, I tried to paint a picture for you. That's not anything that I could bring you into. That's something that Jesus needs to reveal to you tonight. But I want you to know that he wants to show you that you are made in the image of God. You are made to be a son and a daughter of God. You are made to be anointed. You are made to live your life, to be a chosen instrument, a chosen vessel for him. And he wants to destroy those thoughts, that those things that, that were once controlling you, those things that were once ha having their way with you, right? That no longer has power. That no longer has power over your life. And so tonight, uh, we're going to get ready. When this team comes back out, we're going to get ready to um, go into some worship. So maybe we could just take a moment now. <coughs> take a moment now in some prayer. Um, and settle our hearts. As the song and they start playing, we're going to say just come up. Uh, you know how we normally do things. But just come up and ask the Lord to reveal who you are. Reveal himself to you first and reveal who he made you to be. And allow him to work that in you as we move forward, as we begin to, to leave this place the next day. He wants to show you guys. He, he longs and desires to show you to
So I just ask that you would settle your heart, get in a place, a posture of prayer. And as this song begins to play, let's let's come forward. There are going to be some people to pray with you. Let's come forward and allow him to show us the truth. Thank you. 